0: The world seems so unstable so insecure everything is changing way too fast but there are some things that are steadfast things that never change god and his word join us as pastor randy ream shares truths from god's unchanging word so we are in in john chapter 10 when you're there please stand it is our tradition to stand at the reading Of God's word. Now, I am going to back up a verse or two just so we get context because you all know there are no chapter breaks, right? In the original. So we'll back up to chapter 9, read verses 40 and 41, and then flow right into verses 1 through 10 of chapter 10. Okay? Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, I see, your guilt or your sin remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep to him the gatekeeper opens the sheep hear his voice he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out and when he when he has brought them all his own out he goes <clears throat> excuse me he goes before them or leads them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger they will not follow but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the stranger this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Okay, you may be seated now. You might, that don't read exactly mine. This is the ESV, the English Standard Version. Read there. Um, I don't. There's no major textual criticisms in there you have to worry about. So again, we want to make sure we have this in context. Jesus has healed the guy born blind. Okay. Nobody believes him. They do the investigation, all right? And they actually throw the guy out. They don't believe him, all right? And then Jesus starts talking about spiritual blindness. That's where you see it. Then, wait a minute, are you saying we're blind too? And he goes, yeah, because you think you see. You're really blind, and your sin, your guilt remains. Truly, I say to you. Truly, truly, I say to you. So this just flows right from it. Same audience. The Pharisees, the same ones, okay? Okay. But he begins this metaphor. Why do we know it's a metaphor? Because down at the end of verse 9, it says so. Okay? Or verse 6. This figure of speech. Now, this isn't a parable. Okay, there's another Greek word for it. parabola, For a parable. This is a, a, a... So here's the reason why I say that. Parables, except for the parable of the sower, has one main meaning. All the other things in the story aren't the point. This is not a parable. It's a metaphor. Okay? So Jesus makes a point, but the other things have significance. As a matter of fact, he uses the same idea, we'll talk next week, to take the metaphor in another way and make the things mean something a little different. But it's a uh, metaphor the Hebrews are very familiar with because you all know Psalms 23, the Lord is my... Right. I mean, I've got multiple verses here, where in, particularly in Psalms, where God's a shepherd. Um, but Ezekiel 34 comes into play here. All right. And, and there, uh, God is the shepherd of His people. He's going to bring judgment to the false shepherds um, and ultimately gather His sheep together for this final blessing we would all call the millennial reign. Okay. Um, But in there is this prophecy in verse 15 of Ezekiel 34. I myself will feed my flock. I myself will lead them to rest, declares the Lord. Verse 23. Then I will appoint over them one shepherd, my servant David. Does he literally mean David, David? He's going to raise from the dead. No, okay. And he will feed them. And he will feed them himself and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. So there's this prophetic thing about, that, about these bad false shepherds, but God's going to send one shepherd that leads it all. So when Jesus claims to be the good shepherd, all those Pharisees knows he's jumping back into here, to Ezekiel 34. Okay. You can find same kind of analogies in Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah about shepherds. Okay. Um, so when Jesus says truly, truly, we've talked about this is the 15th time in John that he says it. Drawing your attention that this is a steadfast fact. This is so. Okay. And it applies to his whole discourse here, not just this one um, metaphor as he carries it forward, but it carries the whole symbol. he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the door. Notice he starts with the negative. He doesn't start with who the shepherd is, the positive. He starts with the negative. Those who are bypassing the door, going over the wall. Because that's what he just finished these guys saying. You you think you see, but you don't. You're still in your sin. He's addressed that negatively. He carries that over. These thieves, robbers that are hopping the fence, in this case, for context, are the Pharisees. Could we apply that to modern times? Yes, and we will. Now the question is, what is the sheepfold? And I have heard people say, it's the church. It's all kinds of things. The difficulty uh, with it is God, the shepherds calling them out of it. So there wouldn't be the church. And then we're down in 16. Jesus says, I have sheep that are not of this fold. And they must bring in also, that is, Gentiles. So the sheep fold in this particular case is Judaism. Israel and Judaism. He's calling his sheep out of that. But there's sheep that are not in that pen. they are somewhere else. I'm going to call them too. But right now I'm talking about these ones. The Jewish leaders are, what are involved in this, of course. And he says something almost doesn't have to be said. If they're sneaking in through the window, they're not the owner, using your house as an analogy. Okay, I mean, they're they're a thief. I mean, that really doesn't need to be said, but Jesus says something like that all the time. Uh, The well don't need a physician. Uh, Yeah. He says these obvious statements, okay? Yeah, you put new wine in new wineskins. Of course you do. If your sheep... Falls in Tuba on the Sabbath. Won't you get it out? Yeah. The answer is a given. All right? So when Jesus makes this statement, it's, it's a given. The people climbing over the wall, of course. That's no-brainer. And that is the real contrast here is between the true good shepherd and the thief and the robbers. That, that's the real point here. He's talking about these Pharisees. That's the context. They've already accused him once. Okay, of having a demon. Later on here in the chapter, they'll accuse Jesus Christ of being uh, of the devil, possessed, and insane. Okay, so that's the context. We don't want to take it out of its context. The shepherd, he says, enters through the door, or the gate. And he says there's a gatekeeper at the gate. The gatekeeper (laughs) identifies the shepherd as the shepherd. Not a false one, not... Somebody else, okay? The thief, on the other hand, avoid the gate and the gatekeeper. So you have to ask a question, don't you? Uh, Who was the gatekeeper? The sheep, people of Israel, okay? He's the door, he's the shepherd, but then he mentions the doorkeeper. Hope we'll get to that, I hope. Okay, but the focus here is not what happens when the sheep come out of the pen. I, I hear a lot of that as I read about, you know, prepare for a sermon. It's not about what happens when they get out in the open space, where sheep tend to wander. Thus, that other story Jesus says, one, 99, one runs off, he goes to find them, all right. Out there, there's things they can get, briar bushes they can, cliffs they can fall off, there's predators out there. That's not what he's talking about here, okay. But again this is why Jesus tends to use the negative It's not the dangers out there It's the focal point The focal point is the true shepherd And false ones Thieves that are really thieves and robbers And in what way are they thieves We'll we'll hopefully get there as well To him the doorkeeper opens Him being the shepherd The doorkeeper has to identify the true shepherd In contrast to false ones Somebody claiming to be that How does a gatekeeper do that? by the attributes or characteristics, I guess, whatever term that goes, pretty much metaphors, characteristics of the person. Okay, we look at the, the epistles in particular in the text and they analyze them. Is this the type of vernacular that Paul uses to identify one of those epistles, okay? And so it's the vernacular, it's the figures of speech he uses, it's his mannerisms, It's not just that physical outside where which uh, that I would identify if I was the gatekeeper and Timothy was the one coming um, to the gate. So there's more than just appearance. And I think we've all seen, you know, typical comedians who do voice impersonations. And you might be able to hear it, but then you see them. Now, a good impersonator practices the mannerisms of the person. They're impersonating there, okay? But eventually it all shows up. And I'm, I'm setting you up there on purpose, okay? Now today that might be a fingerprint reader, right? A retina scanner to identify the unique properties. You all know we all, our retinas aren't, they're like fingerprints, they're all separate. They're distinct. So if they, someone arrests you for a robbery and they found fingerprints at the, at the robbery scene, then they take your fingerprints and they don't match. You didn't do it. Or the DNA doesn't match. Okay? You didn't do it. Maybe they have some film from, from, from the convenience store that was robbed. Somebody looked sort of like you, but that fingerprint gives it away. That's not you. And again, I'm setting you up there, okay? So the doorkeeper has to identify The shepherd. How do we know who the shepherd is? Right here. If he doesn't match the fingerprint, he ain't the shepherd. If his brother's Lucifer, he ain't the shepherd. Okay? If he's a created being, he's not the shepherd. You see where I'm going there? Okay? It is my view that that... Gatekeeper is the word of God. Here's the problem. Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the gate. But Jesus is also the word. Okay? But just in our, the metaphor given forth here. Now it says that the gatekeeper opens the door to the sheep. Opens the door basically to him. But he doesn't go inside the sheep pen. He would stand at the open gate that the doorkeeper had opened and call his sheep. And that's just what it says. And the sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name and leads them out. So the shepherd just stands at the gate. He has not go in there and hit them with a stick. or. He just calls them and they come. They know his voice. They recognize and give heed to the shepherd's voice. Or the shepherd's words. How do I know it's words? Because he calls them by name. It's not. He calls words. He calls them by name. Okay. It is the sheep that hear his voice. If it is sheep, it hears. If it doesn't hear him, it's not sheep. It's something else. One of the, one of, if I say, if I want to identify the sheep, if the gatekeeper wanted to identify sheep, how would you wait and do it? That sheep responds to his voice. If it doesn't respond to his voice, it isn't one of his sheep, or goats, or whatever, okay? The non-sheep in the pen, which is Israel, okay, do not hear the shepherd's voice. And this is why Jesus says, man, you guys are ever listening, but never hearing, he who has an ear, let him hear. Those kind of things that Jesus says. Now it's not because those things that are not sheep have chosen not to respond to the call. They don't hear it. They are, let me fuse that other analogy, in chapter, they're blind. They cannot see it. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. John chapter 3. Okay. Um, but uh, he knows them by name this isn't a general invitation he calls his sheep by name what's interesting this would be happening most of the time every day now they'll take the sheep out and then when they bring them back into the pen for the safety at night it, okay, so the next morning whenever he puts them in there he opens the gate calls them out they go so it's it's not just a one-time thing. Okay? That's important. Cuz they go in and out. It says later. They live in a culture. A Jewish Israeli culture. I have called you out of the Jews, but you still got to live with Jews. Hebrews, okay? And then he leads. He doesn't drive you drive cattle. You lead sheep. There's a huge difference. And that's one of the accusations against the false shepherds. Is, is they, they rule with an iron fist, if you will, over the sheep. They don't lead. That's one of his arguments in, in Ezekiel and in Zechariah. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of him. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Now he brings them out of the place where these walls are, out into the open. You know where David had to kill a lion and a bear? You sure we can't stay in there where it's safe? He calls them out there and leads them out of there. He goes ahead of them. That, let me put it this way in a natural sense. He scouted out the land. He knows where the good grass is and where the watering holes are. Where the wolves tend to hang out, okay, he, he scouted the land. He's going to lead you into green pastures, beside still waters. Um, And what's interesting, his sheep follow because they know his voice. Knowing his voice, his word, equals following. Put it another way, the natural intrinsic outcome of knowing his voice is following his voice. Jesus goes to like this. Well, there's a wise man and a foolish man. The wise man hears my voice and does. And his house is like a house built upon a rock, so on. The foolish man hears um, but doesn't do. Okay? Here it is the sheep hear and they just respond. That's what it does. Now, do sheep follow perfectly? No. But sheep follow faithfully. The sheep said, then it says that the sheep will not follow, but flee from the stranger. Just think about that a minute. Especially when you realize this, will not follow, in the Greek is the double negative. main, not amen, okay. But it really, um, no way not. There's one way that can be translated. No way, not will they follow the fellow. Okay? It's a double negative. If you're his sheep, you will not, in no way, follow the stranger. You instead will flee. I'm amazed when I watch uh, some Christian television. And the people who follow and don't flee. You should be able to hear the voice of the one preaching at you. I'm going to say it like that. Okay? Are they preaching Christ's word or their word? And by the way, one of the things it says in Ezekiel, they they do it for their own gain, the fake ones. They do it to make a profit. I'll leave that alone. This figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, but they, now them, who's the them? The Pharisees, right, that's who he's addressing, we want it in contact, says them, and they don't understand, they don't get what he's saying, and that's why Jesus goes into this other metaphor, okay, so why didn't these Pharisees understand what Jesus the shepherd was saying? Because they aren't sheep. He's confirming, it confirms his verdict that they're blind. He declared, Yeah, you are blind. You say you see, but you're blind. Let me tell you a little story. Yeah, see, you don't get it. You're completely blind to what I'm saying here, or deaf to what he's saying here. Okay, their inability to understand what Jesus was saying. Proves they're not sheep. Because what do sheep do? Hear his voice and follow. You're not getting it, then you're not sheep. And don't worry, later they call him, like I said, demoniac and a crazy man later. This is really his point, Jesus' point, that he made previously. Even though confronted with all the evidence of the blind man being healed. From the crowd, his neighbors, to his parents, to the guy himself. And they get angry and throw him out. Okay? From that, that, that's the whole point. You guys don't get it. You can't even see it when it's right in front of you. And you sure can't hear it when he tells it to you. Since the Pharisees, not being his sheep, did not understand, Jesus takes the metaphor a little deeper. Okay. You didn't get it. Let me give you one more shot to prove you're deaf. Truly, truly, this is verse 7, I say to you, I am the door. Okay, okay. The shepherd thing may be a little too broad. Let's, let's bring it down to a more narrow understanding. All who came before me Are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, before me, please don't think chronologically, think spatially. Like we stand before the throne of God. Okay, it's not before the throne of God existed, it's not time, chronological, it's spatial. Okay, because here's a gate. He doesn't say all the gates that came before me, those who came before me, the gate. All right, they were thieves and robbers. They were identified at the gate as thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. That's sort of a given, isn't it? Didn't he already say that? The sheep don't hear strangers. And he says, and all those that come stand in front of the gate to claim to be the shepherd are thieves and robbers, and the sheep don't hear them. Okay, that would be like Abraham. Raised in the era of the Chaldees, Zoroastrianism was the religion of that part, okay? He doesn't hear that. He hears the voice of God calling him out to go wander around and live in a tent. Okay. So when he says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, this is where, he, and will go in and out and find pasture. When he calls the sheep out of the pen, he expects them to go back. Yeah, you got to live in this world even though you're not of this world. That's part of the process. So when I'm back in the pen, am I, I'm open now to thieves hopping the wall. Now out here, I'm open to the predators and everything else. Okay, But out there, if someone tries to steal the sheep, the sheep can run. But if they're in a pen, they're limited. How many of you ever seen one of those things where they try to catch a pig? Yeah, that's not in the pen, is it? It's out in the open. Just because the pen's dirty. <laughs> but he said they will go in and out and find pasture. How did they find pasture? They just wander around until they stumble across it? The shepherds already knows where it has led them there. Okay? Pasture, food. Okay, and by the way, the word pasture... Where we get the word pastor. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, but to, to pasture your sheep also gets translated as feed. Here's why many people think when you feed the sheep. No, no. You don't feed the sheep, set them down, cut their meat for them, their mashed potatoes like my little grandson, and go, here you go. I'm feeding the sheep. No, no, no. I, a shepherd leads the sheep to where they eat. The j- job of the shepherd, and, and you know, in Peter, uh, Jesus talked about feeding my sheep, that kind of thing. Um, with elder, pastor, person, it doesn't use the word pastor, so I don't want to use that, but as a teacher, pipe person, leader in the body of Christ, you're supposed to feed the sheep. Many people think that means, I'll sit here, you feed me. I've never seen that unless the sheep's sick or an infant sheep. You know, you see the little bottle, and they get the little lamb. Full-grown sheep, you go, hey, come here, here's grass right here. As a pastor, I believe it's my job to equip you to eat from the pasture. The thief, on the other hand, is anyone that tries to come by any other way than the gate. trying to think of a good example of that without offending anybody and that's pretty hard to do free. you know <clears throat> um, typically what happens with that kind of person the Bible says and then they turn into Elmer Fudd yabbit, yabbit, they're hunting yabbits. Okay. well this is what it says right there in Ephesians he predestined me, he chose me no, 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 you chose him you chose him first and he looked forward in time to see who would choose him And, and th- yeah, but, but it says there I chose you you didn't choose me yeah but you see okay <clears throat> but here's what the thief comes to do steal kill and destroy remember in that other famous parable that does have multiple applications the parable of the sower and the seed right the seed is the word of God We're the soil. God, Christ, is the uh, planter, sower. And the seed lands here. And immediately the birds come and steal the seed, steal the word. That's one of the first things you will spot a false shepherd. Is that they want to diminish or steal from you the word. Well, you know, know, I know God intended... You know, originally, like, I mean, that marriage should be forever. I mean, that's how God intended it to begin with. Jesus says that. But you know, certain situations happen. I hate to tell you, if I get divorced, well, I've never happened because I told my wife, if she ever leaves, I'm going with her. But, but if I get divorced, that doesn't change the fact that God doesn't sanction divorce. Just because it happens We don't compromise the scripture for that Because someone claims to be female when they're male Doesn't change what scripture says about it You can say sitting at home and watching TV is church But that doesn't change what the Bible says The word itself, ecclesia Means called out, meeting together I'll go But the other part of it I think that happens in this sense And I'll go past the human side you, you sit in a church, you're listening to a good sermon, you got to read your Bible, and you got, to, got something God's showing you out of his scripture, and you go out, and you go out, and that day, first thing Satan wants to do is steal that from you. Yeah, yeah you go get in the car, <makes noise> oh, man, man. and you were just so glad you spent this time, you had great devotions this morning. Now you're out there going, you finally get the car there. and when you do get to work, the boss yells at you because you're late, and hands two more projects to you, and figure out how come you haven't got the other ones done. Pretty soon, that word that you got in the morning, devotion, you just plumb forgot. And I see that's one way he steals. It steals the word from us. But the enemy will also come and steal joy. And in place of it, he'll put guilt. <laughs> if you don't send me your hundred dollars, you're not going to get God's blessing. Okay? Let me read from Ezekiel 34 to give you a way how this stealing, thievery, and destruction takes place. So I'll just use Scripture. Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, he doesn't say there's no, there can't be shepherds in Israel. He says there are shepherds in Israel. And he's talking about spiritual leaders. <clears throat> prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Shepherds of Israel, you have been feeding yourselves, not or should not shepherds feed the sheep. You eat the fat, clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. This shows up three times in this passage, by the way, about feeding the sheep. But they're feeding themselves. At the cost of the sheep. You don't get the fat off the sheep while the sheep's alive. The wool you can get, but the fat you don't. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. They strayed, and you have not brought them back. Now, listen, I want you to think about that when he tells the shepherd of the ninety and nine. He's the opposite of this. Jesus is the opposite of that. When one strays, he goes. The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Those are signs of bad shepherds. I'm going to be real forward. As a pastor and been doing this for decades, there's because our culture tends to measure even anointing, uh, success pastorally, it's how many people are in the pew. Okay? And like everybody else, preachers, pastors have an ego too. They want to feel good about themselves too. They want people to believe they're successful, too, like you do. And they could easily be caught on filling the pew because it makes me a name. Okay, now, I know, I mean, you, you could probably be a pastor of a church of X size and make a living, but you're not getting filthy rich, okay? I was on staff at a very large church, and none of us staff guys were getting rich, including the senior pastor, all right? But there is something that says about feeding your own ego, I think there are many, and I have to check that. Okay, I have to check that and make sure this doesn't feed my ego. And one of the ways I have to do that, when I hear about success over at Church B, I need to rejoice with them. Well, but, you know, the reason that, they're, that they've grown is because, and come, you know, I feel like a Democrat blaming the rich for everything. Um, yeah, I said that out loud. Anyway, I'll just let you know, as pastors, you've you got to be careful that you don't feed yourselves. It doesn't become about you. Okay? So as the football team I coach, I, I say to them regularly, guys, remind me this isn't about me, this is about you. It's about Christ, because we always get to lead someone to the Lord every year. But, but I think you all probably have met a pastor Or a person claiming to be a pastor. Or small group leader. Or a youth leader. Or a worship person. That it's their ego they're feeding. One of the things I think that it talks about the weak and the sick not taking care of them. I think, I'm going to be honest again as a pastor. The weak and the sick can consume a lot of your time. There are people in our congregation that, uh, they don't demand a lot of my time. They actually have personal devotions. They actually spend time with God. And when life gives them bad situations, they're steadfast, solid. Now, anybody, as solid as you are, can have events in your life that rock your world. You can be doing your devotions, pray every day and worship every day. But when your baby dies, that's a tough thing to handle. Or when your wife walks out, that's a tough thing to handle. When? I understand that. I'm talking on a normal basis. And so I understand the tendency, and I'm going to be really frank again. Those that I, as a pastor, spend most time pouring into are the first ones that will leave you. If you can tell me why that is, let me know. We'll write a book. But I'm just trying to be real here by looking at that as being a pastor, a shepherd. The, matter of fact, some versions will read the word pastor there, not the word shepherd. Okay? That's what it's like being a pastor sometimes. So I don't want to blame and say, hey, this guy over here is a a false shepherd or a bad shepherd. There's just human tendencies that happen. So one of the reasons I don't want to know who gives what, because I know human tendency. You know, Robert calls and he needs a visit. Okay? Bill calls, he needs a visit. And if I know who's given the most money, what tendency will I have? Well, you know, the person that gives in most to the thing should, should you know, not about money. But, you know, he, he's more behind the vision. So, no, I would never do that. Yeah, I would. I, I'm human like anybody else. I've seen it over and over. So those protections have to take place. But he says that his sheep were scattered. How did that happen? How, how, if the sheep are his, how do shepherds, bad ones, scatter the sheep? For one, if you have the proper place for the sheep to eat, they don't leave. They wonder because there's no food and water here. There's not enough. They were scattered because they had no shepherd. They became food. Instead of being fed, they became the food. For all the wild beasts, my sheep, are scattered. He says that several times. They wander over the mountains and the high valleys. My sheep are scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. I think you need to pay attention when he says that, if you're a shepherd. As I live, declares the Lord. i got to stop. As I live, declares the Lord, he cannot not live. He, is be, he exists in and of himself. As surely as I exist, because I am existence, if I could say it like that, the I am, declares the Lord. I, I, I don't know how more surely you can get than that. It's called the aseity of God, if you want to know the doctrinal term for it. The Lord God... Surely, because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all kinds of wild beasts, since there is no shepherd, because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep. But the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Well, we're, we're talking about some supposed shepherds right now who don't hear at all. The Pharisees. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. I will require my sheep at their hand. And put a stop to their feeding, their feeding the sheep, which they really ain't doing. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves and I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. It goes on to say how God through Christ is going to provide particularly for the sheep of Israel in the millennial reign. All right. Jeremiah. Is it, is it Jeremiah or Nehemiah? Talk about the word, literally the word being, feeding on it. Eating the text in a, in a dream. Okay. We are to feed on the Word of God. When we feed upon the Word of God, we learn the attributes, characteristics, mannerisms, and vernacular of the shepherd. So it's not that I need to know each robber and each thief's voice. I just need to know the shepherd's voice. So when someone speaks, wait a minute, that ain't the shepherd. When you're trying to help, but you know, we are are gods. Little gods with little g, we are gods. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. That's the wrong voice. I, I can play the videos for you right now from the TV preachers that say it. Okay? The ones who say, you know what? Jesus didn't complete it all on the cross, that he had to go to hell and get tortured by the demons, and that's where you were redeemed. You know, I'm, I'm setting you up. Next week I'll come get you because there's something very specific in the text it says. It says very specifically, clearly, twice, And most people in America do not believe it. Most people sitting in the pews don't believe it. Okay, It's the voice of the shepherd that you have to know. Now, we've on Wednesday nights here, we have looked at Mormonism, Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, Jehovah Witness, Islam. I don't know how much time we spent in that, understanding that. But I'm not understanding so I can recognize Islam's voice. I study those so I know how to bring the gospel to them. The true voice appears through the false. I'm not doing that so I can say, did you know Quran, Suri, number, no. You may need to do that to show a point. okay? But, but we, do, we have to know the voice of God. This is why you heard in the announcements today. Oh, that Bible study. Oh Yeah, that Bible study. Yeah, that small group in Bible study. If you're not in the word of God, the voice of God, you will not recognize the true shepherd from the false shepherd. And and I, I think that's huge, because here's what we got. Okay. If I talk about who Christ is, that's called Christology. It's under the realm of theology. Doctrine. Here's what happens as soon as you say those words in the American church. Oh, we don't need that. Doctrine just divides. Really. Doctrine just means teaching. So you don't teach in your church because it'll divide. You don't teach Christology who Christ is. Then what are you teaching? Oh, that's right. You're showing a video of some movie that was played and and you're giving some moral illustration out of it. You're trying to tell the people out here, tell the sheep, you know, you're wonderful sheep. You're just amazing sheep. You're the best sheep. You should feel good about being a sheep. And and so your wool's a little dirty. Don't worry about it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, No. You've got to give them the voice of the shepherd. That has to be the measuring rod. Okay? That's what determines whether the gate opens or not. There is not one person that's ever came to Christ without the word of Christ. Amen. Not one. No, there was nobody ever standing out in the forest, in the Amazon somewhere, and all of a sudden God comes down, and revelation, there you go. Every one of them comes by the word of God, even in the Old Testament, it comes by the words of the shepherd. And then He opens the door, the Holy Spirit in that case, opens the door and He calls you by name. You were just a dumb sheep in a pen. But it's the voice of the shepherd who calls you out of that pen. Okay, now I'm going to say many people, we think this. The Bible says no one seeks God. No, not one, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. The only people who seek God are those who are his sheep. But I hear this all the time. Well, my friend over here, they're seeking God. No, they're not. They're seeking everything the shepherd could give them. But they sure don't want a shepherd telling them what to do. They, They want some peace in life, so they want to seek peace. Then they think religion will give it to them, or joy, or whatever it is they're looking for. It's not God they're seeking for. It's the stuff that God brings. You can't just tell somebody if you come to Christ, you know, you'd have your best life now. No, you won't. In this life, you will have, that's a promise. Put it on your refrigerator, along with those other ones. I can do all things. Just put that in context, please. Okay. Yeah, you put up there. That's a promise. I promise you, you'll have trouble in this life. That don't Preach. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things and from it, inside the person, comes all the evil. Not from the devil. No, don't. I'm basically a good person. How could you say that? I didn't say it. He did. That's how you know if what's being spoken of is from the true shepherd or not. Is it aligned with how he is described? What what his mannerisms are? His vernacular? I don't, here's why I say that there's been several preachers in the last couple years their, they found out their vernacular wasn't so great do you, you know what I mean by that in the privacy of the, the church staff or in, the language was not appropriate I just read another one of those this last week Okay. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see Jesus swearing anywhere in the Bible I. know. I I'm not going there okay can you recognize his voice? If, if there's a sermon being preached in front of you that's supposedly the shepherd, can you recognize the shepherd's voice in it? Or can you recognize when it's not? The shepherd. If it's not the shepherd, somebody's just trying to climb over the wall and steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the thief does. That's what they're there for. Well, he had good intentions. No, not one of them had ever climbed over the wall had a good intention. Not One. You have to be able to recognize the difference. He doesn't call my name for you. And he doesn't call your name. You. He calls your name. So what if a thief calls your name? Do you recognize the difference? Now I could be in the grocery store. And, and, and my wife and, and some of the kids on one side. There's all kinds of noise in the grocery store. All kinds of voices. But you know what? <clears throat> yep, that's my wife. Yep, that's my kids. Out of all the other sounds, my ears can pick up those sounds. I know that voice. With all the voices yelling at you today, from Oprah to Dr. Phil, not religious people, but claim to know something about religion. There's multiple ways to heaven, for example. Okay? All those kind of things. Can you tell the difference that somebody that sounds wise, a little pithy, ooh, that, oh, I like that. That's good. I can show you all kinds of philosophers that say things like that and you go, ooh, that's deep. But it ain't the voice of the shepherd. The only way we know the voice of the shepherd is continual exposure to his voice. Continual exposure to his voice. Daily exposure to his voice. So, so anybody in this Congregation, my myself should be able to say to you. Um, so, uh, tell me about you and God. What were you talking about today? Lord, oh, put another way. What, what was your daily devotion? Uh, my what? Oh, now I understand why you're making the decisions you are. Because you're following a wrong shepherd. Okay, in America, that shepherd is materialism. How do I know that? Because I know bunches and bunches and bunches of Christians that just paid 60 or 70 or whatever for a new car. But the shepherd says, the borrower is a slave to the lender. And you will be a slave, be slave to no man, but a slave to righteousness. What are you making your decision on? Yeah, you probably ask this question. Where's that in the Bible? You are a slave to the one you obey. Where's that in the Bible? Generally, just I'm not saying you have to answer me now. Just give general. It will tell me this. Have you been listened to what his voice says about debt? Have you listened to what his voice says about marriage? Have you listened to what his voice says, what church is supposed to be, what worship is? Have you listened to a voice and read in his word what raising children are supposed to be? I'm, oh, I'm going to hit you with that. Nowhere in the Bible it says when you have kids, send them to Rome to be educated. Nowhere. But we default to it. Because of our culture. Never says in the Bible, you know, what's the purpose of happiness or purpose of marriage? For you to be happy and fulfilled. Nope. So you can represent the image of God in the world. Well, then I got a long ways to go because I'm not there yet. What does the Bible have to say about the subject? This is called biblical counseling. Not Christian counseling. Biblical counseling. Here's the thing. The Bible says about that thing, and I do what the Bible says about that. That's biblical counseling. There's a difference between Christian counseling and biblical. Biblical counseling is we see what it says about the subject, and we do that. Oh, I throw out a bunch of examples, but it just get me in trouble. Let's stand. There's a huge attack on today's world the inerrancy, sufficiency, and supremacy of Scripture Inerrancy, without mistakes and the originals, as God intended Using forms of speech like we do Okay Sufficiency, it's all you need Supremacy, it overrides every other opinion There's a huge attack on that today But without it, how do you know who Jesus is? When the LDS person says we believe in the same Jesus When the Muslim comes we believe in the same God Because the same answer Abraham Really? Father I thank you for your word Lord I thank you that you call us Out of the world which we live That you know us by name And you call us from that gate Through Jesus Christ alone We know that no one comes To the Father but through you God, we are bombarded today with false Christ, false messages and even false word that they claim the Bible is. God, I, I pray that you open the hearts of everyone listening to be students of your word that daily they would seek your voice and then when life surrounds them with its troubles and difficulties, when the social world comes to them and tells them some other truth, they would recognize the shepherd's voice and respond to the shepherd's voice only that they would flee from the thief and the robber God I thank you that you did not leave us without your word without your voice you wrote it down for us if I could say it like that you wrote it down for us God we can get, we can go back to it every day every moment I pray God that you put in our hearts a desire for your voice for your word In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy, or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's unchanging word.